Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525 and now back to lifeline with craig roberts you're listening to healing habits now with dr john duong of the holistic health center more information available by going to healinghabitsnow.com that's healinghabitsnow.com or by calling 510-818-1668 that's 510-818-1668 Six, eight. Don't forget, for a limited time, Dr. Duong is giving a very special opportunity for the first eight callers that qualify. You'll receive a consultation, regularly a $287 value, for just $47. This is available to the first eight callers to 510-818-1668. That's 510-818-1668. Or by visiting online, healinghabitsnow.com. There's a remarkable side of this story, and we mentioned at the onset that some of what you've been dealing with health-wise dates back 15, 20 years. Over that course of time, Dr. Duong, that Marshall has gone and seen doctors and been prescribed medication and gone through all of it, no improvement. In fact, if anything, your situation grew worse over time. And then she came and saw you. You engaged in genetic testing. You began looking at where she at health-wise, how is the body processing the food, et cetera, et cetera. And now, remarkably, in not 20 years to come and begin seeing results, but in barely just over two months, she's beginning to see some results. And is it fair enough to say that for you, this is the first time in your recollection that you felt this pain-free? Is that fair? Yes. <laughs> the first time in a long time wow. and didn't even think this was possible. I, I walked in open for whatever suggestions could be made so that I could feel just a modicum of better. Now, a lot of doctors at this point, they say to us, well, you're at that age. Exactly. <laughs> we, we think that we just have to embrace the pain because right. we think this is normal. But you're suggesting, Dr. Duong, that this this kind of pain and the life that poor Marcel was dealing with was not normal. It's not, it's not normal. We don't have to live in pain. Our body has the capacity to heal as much as we can, but don't damage it. Don't wait until that you have a damage and then come and, uh, come and get some treatment. So once she came in, met with you, you ran through a panel of tests. Yes. What were the results of those tests, and how did you begin to then give her direction to change her lifestyle. Look at her, her weakness. Where is her weakness in her genetic? So once we know the genetic weaknesses, so now uh, we can give the body the right supplement at the right time for the right conditions. So that's how genetic information would be able to uh, help us to identify where's the weakness. So now we put them in the right foot, now the body can heal. It's not very complicated. It's very simple. We just need to have the heart. We need to have the faith and deliver the hope. And the good the news is that the, the, the hard part God already did, right? We just have to follow 
the right prescription based on the way he wants us to live, the way he wants us to eat, proper diet. And as you do that and make some of these changes, the proof, as they say, is in the pudding. Definitely. So it can seem very overwhelming because when you're dealing with those types of chronic issues for so long, you you just are hopeless. But when you're given a very simplistic way of doing it, and not only simplistic, but encouraging, where you actually can succeed in it, it just makes all of the difference in the world. And Marshall, two and a half months in, you're already seeing marked, measurable results. Over years of having dealt with it, embraced the pain, if I can say that, or at the very least pushed through it to do what you needed to do, busy working, your, your husband's in full-time ministry, you're involved in ministry, you've got kids. There's just, there's a lot going on. You push through the pain, but I would suspect in a lot of that, there probably wasn't much joy, was there? No, and that became very discouraging, living a life where you feel it's set apart for God and you're serving him and you don't understand why this is going on. Um, It became a stewardship issue, though, for me, too, as well, in the sense of taking care of the temple that God has given me and paying attention to what it needed in order for it to be used the way he had purposed me to use. Were there moments where you were prepared to just kind of give up or that you felt as if God had kind of abandoned you? Oh, yes, most definitely. Along with all of this chronic pain, anxiety, stress, and depression were a huge portion of it. And literally just being overwhelmed and consumed by the fact that, well, I guess this is my plight and this is what I'm looking at. Literally the day I walked into Dr. Duong's office, I was counting down the years um, in comparison to my mother's life that I had left. Knowing that your mother was diagnosed and eventually passed away from ALS must have been terrifying for you. It was terrifying in the sense of I only found out two weeks prior to her death that she had the disease, and she had only been diagnosed eight months prior. So it wasn't the typical situation, but what I've heard from so many doctors is we've never seen that before. Mm-hmm. We don't know what to do with that. You're an anomaly. We, we don't, we'll give you the protocol, but it's, you know, we just have to try and see if that's going to work, and it was not successful. And the, the fear of potentially not being around to see mm-hmm. Kids get married, grandkids, all of that. That must have really hurt your heart. It did hurt my heart. And to the point of acceptance, well, I guess I won't see my grandkids. I guess I won't be able to continue on living a legacy of righteousness, which is what I was hoping to do, and started actually looking at what do I need to do in these last years that I have, because I don't think there's any resolve to any of this. Wow. And Dr. Duong, we started in talking about the new CDC numbers, 21% of Americans in chronic pain, 8% on top of that diagnosed with high-impact chronic pain. And I would imagine for a lot of those people that sense, as Marshall had, of just being hopeless. I, I just, I have to push through. I do the best that I can, but I don't see any hope and there's no joy. That's, that sounds like it must be very typical for sufferers of chronic pain. Yes. The hope is in God. He gives us the perfect body to heal. So there's always hope and just continue to have faith and take actions so that you can get better. Because what I want to do is that hope is always there. Take actions. You can get better. 
and since beginning to develop for yourself these new healing habits, changing lifestyle, changing diet, having the guidance of Dr. Duong, and, of course, the genetic testing that gave you a better sense of the picture of what's going on, the results in the last two and a half months for you, what, what is that like? What is your life like today, two and a half months later, from the day you walked in to Dr. Duong's office thinking, I have this family history, no one said it to me yet, but I have a sense that this picture is not going to end very well, and it's going to end much more rapidly than I could have ever in my worst nightmares thought of. From that moment to where you're at today, how has life changed for you? Oh, life has changed tremendously, as I said, beyond my expectations in the sense of when I first came to him on 10 different prescriptions. Um, today, I'm only on three of those, and the third one is a half a dose of what it was before. Um, dealing with issues as far as the psoriatic arthritis, the autoimmune issues where my body was literally attacking itself, insomnia where I couldn't sleep. I'm sleeping better. I'm eating better. I've dropped a size as far as clothing, and so I'm looking different. I have more energy. I'm exercising now, which I hated exercising before because it hurts so pain, bad. Of it just hurts so bad. Yeah. But now actually feeling rejuvenated from being able to energize my body through exercise and breathing. And Dr. Duong, I'm curious. Uh, of course, you have patients all over the Bay Area. You've got a long history of helping people like Marshall address the health challenges that they're facing and establish a new healthier habit, a new healthier pattern. If this is where she's at today in just two and a half months' time, where do you see her six months or a year from now in terms of the ongoing health progress? She's going to enjoy life much better and able to contribute and serve. The most important thing that we put on this earth is to get ourselves better so that we can serve other people, and that's what it is. And the most important thing is not only that you do the right things, but the most important thing is continue to do all the right things. That's why we name and we are still start branding our name is called Healing Habits. That's why we call it HealingHabitsNow.com. So it's the habits that we create for the patients. Any chronic disease, any physical pain, we believe the solution is inside your body. Together, we create a healing habits so your, your body, your mind, and your soul can heal from within. As a result, we live a better quality life to serve. And as we see in Scripture, God was, doesn't want us to just simply survive, but to thrive. Mm -hmm. Yes. And she's going to be around for all those grandkids, 20 or 30 or 40 of them maybe. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> maybe maybe oh, 30 or 40 is a bit much. That'll be fun. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You're going to need energy for that, yes, won't you? Yes, definitely. Well, Marshall, we sure appreciate you coming in today to share your story with our listeners. And uh, Dr. Duong, I want to mention again for the benefit of listeners, they'd like to get more information. They can call you at area code 510-818-1668. That's 510-818-1668. Or get more information online at healinghabitsnow.com. That's healinghabitsnow.com. She is a walking miracle. Yes, she did all the right things, even though there's a certain time that she cheated on the food that she's not uh, supposed to eat. I said, don't be so negative. 
just learn from it. It's always positive. Always has a positive thoughts in your mind. Learn from it and continue to thrive. The good news is we serve a God of second chances. Information again on the web at HealingHabitsNow.com. That's HealingHabitsNow.com. Dr. John Duong, along with Marshall, thank you so much for coming in today. Thanks, Marshall. Thanks, Ray. You're listening to Healing Habits Now with Dr. John Duong of the Holistic Health Center. More information available by going to HealingHabitsNow.com. That's HealingHabitsNow.com. Or by calling 510-818-1668. That's 510-818-1668. Don't forget, for a limited time, Dr. Duong is giving a very special opportunity for the first eight callers that qualify. You'll receive a consultation regularly a $287 value for just $47. This is available to the first eight callers to 510-818-1668. That's 510-818-1668. Or by visiting online, healinghabitsnow.com. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Spanish woman, who it turned out ultimately had deceived a U.S. fertility clinic about her actual age, had become the oldest woman to give birth. You might say, well, that's just a a miracle of modern science. Then the ethical question comes in about a woman who then dies two years later at the age of 69, leaving behind her two-year-old twins. Now, uh, she had been apparently uh, single for many, many years. She'd always wanted to have children. She went to the clinic and lied, saying that she was 55 years old, when in fact she was actually 66 years old, and uh, felt as if, you know, even though I've never had kids before at this age, I want to have kids, and I'm going to have them without any real thought to what the consequences would be, let alone the notion of being, as he's 60, 80-something years old, raising teenagers? Oh, I don't think so. Now, this raises a lot of moral and ethical questions. That we have the technology to to do such things. And, and I, I want to say right up front, I, 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 I've known couples that have gone through the pain of infertility and the challenges and, and the heartache and what all of that means, and, and certainly do not want to deny anyone access uh, to the medical miracle that is available through many of these fertility clinics to be able to, to, uh, to have children. Um, and yet, I think sometimes in our, in our rush to get what we want, we oftentimes overlook the bioethical questions. Joining me now to discuss this topic is Dr. Scott Ray. Um, he's a co-author, by the way, of a new book entitled Outside the Womb, Moral Guidance for Assisted Reproduction. He's also professor of Christian ethics and chair of the philosophy of religion and ethics department at Talbot Theological School. And um, Dr. Ray, thanks so much for taking time to be with us today. Well, Craig, it's my pleasure to be with you and uh, to tackle some of these questions. Well, what about this issue, that, that we can and that we ought to? D- does this need to be part of the, the discussion, the consideration, when we look at anyone who's saying, gee, we've not been able to have kids, I've not been able to have kids, but always wanted them, here's this great technology, I'm going to go ahead and do it because I want it. Well, of, of course, just because we have a technology, nothing necessarily follows from that about whether we ought to use it. 
and I think you're right about the pain of infertility. And, I, and throughout this whole discussion, I don't want to you know, do anything that minimizes that pain because for, for couples who haven't been down that road, there, is, there are very few things in life that are more painful than infertility. I asked my wife. We, we faced this for about, about three and a half years. Uh, and then about five years ago, my wife had uh, breast cancer, double mastectomy, chemo, the whole nine yards. And I asked her which was worse, that whole bout with breast cancer or the in, bout with infertility. And without hesitation, she said infertility. Mm-hmm. And so there's, there's huge pain. It's very real. But in the pain, sometimes the, that, the, the pain and desperation cause us to put some really important moral questions on the back burner. And I, and I sometimes... You know, I hear from couples routinely who say, you know, how come nobody told me that, you know, when they're at the end end of the process? And yet it's a question I think that we need to wrestle with. I mean, thank God that we've been given the the technology and the ability to to answer a lot of these questions, to to provide hope to infertile couples. And I think there there is genuine hope. Because there's no there's no reason to be a skeptic of technology on this, because medical technology, particularly, I think theologically, we ought to see that as God's good gift to help us alleviate the, the effects of the general entrance of sin, of which I take infertility to be one of them. So you you see this that is something wholly compatible theologically, biblically. This is not, uh, as some might say, you know, intruding to the degree at which we're playing God. No, I, I don't think that's true because uh, if if infertility is a result of the general entrance of sin into the world, which I think is a you know is a pretty clear to show that then we are simply using technology for one of its God-ordained purposes. Okay? Now, that doesn't mean that every use of the technology is morally justifiable. But as a general rule, I don't think we have to take what I would call more of a Roman Catholic position that uh, is very skeptical about virtually all technology related to infertility. I don't think that's required from a distinctly Christian world. Right, but, but on a grander scale, perhaps, we might view this then from, from maybe more of a, an evangelical standpoint to say that as much as we would not um, frown upon someone who used medical technology to uh, cure an illness or a disease, we would say, gee, God has blessed us with the ability to be able to eradicate polio, to say that polio is a, is a re- direct result of, of man's sin condition or our or, um, you know, the fact that we live in a fallen world, I think, is the truism to suggest it, and therefore we have to kind of, you know, take the punishment that's metered out to us without any effort toward trying to alleviate pain and suffering associated with a disease or an illness that could be cured, would, would I think most of us would argue would be foolhardy. And so you're suggesting that in some respects, then, utilizing this technology to resolve a problem of infertility for a couple that wishes to bear and, 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 and raise children would be perhaps no more morally different than it would be to say that we're going to use uh, a particular medicine or a, a treatment to, to uh, cure an illness or a disease. Well put. No, that's precisely true. And it doesn't matter that the, the, the technology to cure heart disease cr- doesn't create new life, right? Right, it because, spares life. Right. 
because the, the reproductive system was designed to create new life. And so we're using technology to either correct a, a defect in the system or even to, by, even to bypass the system is okay because we use medical technology to bypass you know, our kidneys, for example, when we use dialysis. That doesn't fix anything. It just bypasses a diseased kidney. And we say, and that's okay, too. Now, there are... That, that's not to say that there aren't some limits on what you can do with this. And I can certainly hear some people in their own mind saying, okay, well, from there, it maybe is not very far of a leap to move into things like cloning. Let's talk about that when we come back in a moment. Uh, it's a conversation that I know some will find uh, difficult and painful, and I want to underscore what Dr. Ray said at the very get-go, and that is that this is not intended at any level to be any sort of a accusation or an indictment toward uh, uh, couples that choose to use the, the medical miracle that is available to them uh, in the arena of medicine to help address um, issues related to infertility. I, I guess it comes down to the question of what kind of questions do we need to uh, ask ourselves related to what the, the moral guidelines ought to be regarding all of this. We'll come back to more of that part of the equation as uh, we continue our conversation tonight with Dr. Scott Ray. I'm Craig Roberts. A brief time out back with more as Lifeline continues. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. And back to our visit with Dr. Scott Ray. By the way, his book, Outside the Womb, Moral Guidance for Assisted Reproduction, which uh, uh, he co-wrote with uh, Dr. Joy Riley, available at bookstores throughout the Bay Area, uh, published by Moody. You can also get it, of course, through Amazon.com. Dealing with a lot of the, the moral and uh, theological challenges, the questions that arise. Um, you know, we're, we're given access to this wonderful technology by the grace of God. How do we use it without abusing it? What ought to be the guidelines? What are the bioethical questions that come to mind? And, and, and toward that end, as you have researched for this book, Doctor, give me what you would think, for the benefit of those eavesdropping on our conversation tonight, give me what you would think would be some of the key questions the parents that are, are are dealing with the issue of infertility need to be asking themselves as they consider potentially going down this path. Good. That's, that's a good question, and that sort of helps to summarize what the guidelines are. First, they need to know, you know, what, is there an identifiable medical problem? Okay. Second, they need to know, uh, does in, do, do infertility treatments require a third-party contributor, such as an egg donor, sperm donor, or a womb donor, or a surrogate mother. Um, and then third, does the, do, does the infertility treatment involve leftover embryos or selective termination? And th those, uh, those are really important questions that unearth the guidelines. I think the scripture is really clear that uh, Procreation takes place within the context of a stable, permanent, monogamous, heterosexual marriage. And I think, I think the Scripture looks really skeptically at uh, third-party contributors who would enter into the matrix of marriage 
for procreative purposes. All right, let's talk about that, because there again can be huge, huge money there, whether we're oh. talking about surrogate mothers, oh. things of this sort. And oftentimes we'll hear these horror stories where, you know, they got involved in this, they really didn't stipulate what the guidelines or terms of engagement ought to be up front, and then all of a sudden at the backside, uh, the surrogate mother decides after carrying this child for you know, uh, nine months to term decides, you know what, I think I'm going to keep it. Now, you know, certainly having an attorney at the beginning of all of this is not a bad idea, but th- that really complicates all of this, doesn't it? Can, it can, and especially because we are outsourcing surrogacy today to other parts of the world where the, those complications increase sometimes exponentially. And couples have actually had tr- trouble getting their babies out of the country. They've, they've been exploited by uh, corrupt physicians and government officials. Uh, so there's there's potentially a mess involved. What we tell couples who need a sperm or an egg donor is I think there's a better option. What we tell them is we encourage them to consider adopting embryos. Uh, and if you have your, have your listeners Google uh, the Snowflake program when they get next to a computer, uh, it's down here in Southern California. I suspect there's one in the Bay Area, too. Uh, it's an embryo adoption program where couples uh, can have the experience of pregnancy and childbirth, but it doesn't require a sperm donor or an egg donor, which can leave one of the two, whoever, whoever's getting pinch hit for uh, in procreation, leaves them feeling alienated and out of the process. I sat with a couple, uh, this was a couple years ago, and she was beaten on the poor her poor husband to get a sperm donor, and he was really uncomfortable with the idea. And I suggested that they adopt embryos because it gave them almost everything that they valued in terms of being pregnant, giving birth. All those were really important to her. Uh, and I think generally that's a that's a good option for couples who are considering a sperm or an egg donor. A surrogate, I think, is a little bit different. And I, what I tell couples on that is be prepared for the surrogate to be part of your life for the foreseeable future. And if you're not, if you don't have the stomach for that, then I'd suggest not going down that road. But I think those are th- those are those add additional complications. And I would say too to your listeners, you may have college age or young adult listeners who are considering donating their eggs for sometimes for very big dollars um, for a you know for an infertile couple that has that has substantial risks medically and I would never advise uh, a woman in her college age you know years or in her early 20s to uh, to donate her eggs for another infertile couple no matter how much money's involved there's too much risk involved and on the other end of these things again as i began our conversation tonight doctor with a story about this woman from spain who who uh, delivered uh, twins at the age of 66 and sadly was dead 2 years later uh, leaving these poor children uh without a parent um, ought we to also take into consideration sort of what, what are, are the, the norms here, meaning that, you know, God, I believe, uh, has designed a certain period of time for, for fertility on purpose. And the fact that we can bypass that, in a sense, in order to get what we want may not always be in the best interest of ourselves or most, I think, predominantly, ultimately, the children. Think, yeah, you're right. Escaping menopause, I think, is generally a bad idea. 
uh, and the, the system is ripe for abuse, I would never have a patient uh, as an infertility patient, a woman over the age of 50. Uh, and I would, I would require that they, you know, show me a birth certificate to prove their age. Uh, and I would, you know, the fact, the idea that we, you know, have a 67-year-old woman giving birth to a child and orphaning those twins two years later is unconscionable. Uh, we, we sh- this, this is, this is, I think, an, an example where the technology is also a curse. Indeed. So, uh, finally, doctor, folks that are struggling with this, uh, clearly, a book like yours, a great sound place to get some advice. Uh, is this something that people ought to feel free, comfortable with, and in discussing with their pastor? Oh, absolutely. I think they probably should be prepared, though, that their pastor may not have a lot of training in dealing with this. May, he, he, he or she can deal with the, the pastoral side of infertility, but may not have the background to deal with the moral side. I think our churches ought to be talking about this more frequently so that the infertile couples in our churches, which statistically one in six couples of childbearing age are technically infertile in the United States. So that's a lot of folks, and a lot of them are in, are in our churches. But they need, to ha- they need to have some discussion about this in our churches so that they're not caught off guard when they get involved in some of these treatments. Indeed so. And, you know, as you say, with such large percentile, uh, this is a topic whether or not the pastor is dealing with it or feels prepared to adequately deal with it. Uh, you know, they're sitting in your church, Pastor. We appreciate the time. Dr. Scott Ray, a look at Outside the Womb, Moral Guidance for Assisted Reproduction. The book, again, is published by Moody Press and available at Christian bookstores throughout the Bay Area as well as at Amazon.com. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of Lifeline. Thanks so much for being with us. And if there was anything you heard on today's show that you'd like to hear again or share with a friend, grab a copy of the Lifeline podcast. Simply log on to kfax.com. That's kfax.com for the Lifeline podcast. Our producer is Wanda Sanchez. I'm Craig Roberts. Till next time round, remember, just don't keep the faith. Get out there and share it and make it a great evening. So long. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications, all rights reserved.